Hey guys, I'm Raul Coley and I am Arthur Vader, a weird terrier apparently. My name is Ayanna White, I'm a writer for iZombie. Hi, I'm Molly Hagan, I play Liv's mom on iZombie. And you're listening to the iZombie podcast. Is that really how you're going to sit? Can't you sit up? Sit up? Sit up? You're listening to a season one episode of the iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. We're a fan podcast dedicated to the hit CW show, iZombie. The season one episodes begin and end abruptly, so we hope you'll forgive us. And now, the iZombie panel at San Diego Comic-Con 2015, featuring Rose McIver, Raul Coley, Robert Buckley, Malcolm Goodwin, David Anders, Rob Thomas, Diane Ruggiero Wright, and surprise guest, Ali Machaka. Um, so let's get started. Major League Awesome Boyfriend, Major League Zombie Killer, Just Major, Robert Buckley. Extraordinaire, Vertigo aficionado, the best damn wear terrier in Warlock Forest, Raul Coley. <laughs> Veronica Mars, Party Down, not the lead singer of Matchbox 20, Rob Thomas. Your brain-eating, crime-solving hero, Rose McIver. She helped bring, uh, she helped Rob bring Veronica Mars to life, then back to life, and now she's doing the same for Liv Moore, executive producer Diane Ruggiero Wright. Seattle's most successful homicide detective, especially when he's getting help from a certain so-called psychic, Malcolm Goodwin. When he's not cultivating cougar, cougar concubines or working the brain slicer at the meat cute, you'll find him working on his screenplay, live tweeting its progress. David Anders. surprise, uh, a spoiler alert, an answer to a burning question about season two. Uh, um, yes, Peyton will be back. Please welcome <laughs> Rob and uh, Diane, I'd love to start with you guys. Just um, take us back to uh, the start. What, what, what attracted you? you guys to uh, Eyes on the Comic and wanting to adapt it to uh, a series. Like, well, why did you guys like this? Uh, the, uh, when, it, when it originally came to me, uh, the head of Warner Brothers Development came and put the comic book down in front of me and said, just look at this cover. Um, 
And she said, the CW needs uh, another great female hero. They need the next Buffy, the next Veronica Mars, and this is it. We need to write it. And so that's, uh, it was really, the cover sold us right away. And the head of Warner Brothers Development said I had to uh, <laughs> do anything she says. And then Rob told me I had to. And yes. He says. Yeah, yes. Well, what's been uh, gratifying and enjoyable about working in this genre, especially the, the supernatural kind of place mystery of a uh, story? Uh, you know, I, I, before, uh, before doing this show, I, I never got to have much blood or, or <laughs> stunts or fight scenes or uh, special effects. And so it's fun now to do a genre piece. Like, I, I was very used to... Uh, doing two people in a room talking, lots of, you know, where Diane and I are relying on being witty, and this time we get, we get action, you know, we get, we get to have Liv riding around on the top of the car and throwing the windshield off and stuff that we've really never done before. Usually they just verbally kick ass, and now she gets to <laughs> literally kick yes. ass and literally uh, Rose, um, this is a really challenging part. You not only have to play Liv, you have to play the personality that she uh, eats or, or has, be it, uh, acquires via eating a brain and all sorts of things. But can you talk a little bit about the, what's been exciting and fun about um, uh, playing these different personalities? And do you have a favorite? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of just going into things pretty blind. Uh, these guys tricked me, basically. I didn't know quite the extent to which each time I ate a brain I would be taking on the characteristics. Um, so initially, you know, I, I had a lot of time to prepare for one episode, the pilot. I, I you know, I, I was able to at least dedicate a few days to learning Romanian and, you know, trying all these things. And suddenly I realized that was going to be happening often and weekly I would have to acquire these new skills. So um, I've just actually been told a couple of the first brains that I have for this upcoming season and so I'm getting my guitar back out and um, yeah I've got a few things I sing so I've, I've got a few things that they've, they've warned me of but each week it's like a blessing and a curse because I just hope that they're all within my wheelhouse. Was there a favorite from season one or a, a couple favorites that you enjoy? I didn't realize how challenging I would find the gamer because I'm not a computer gamer really. I, I mean, I loved Crash Bandicoot and I got blisters on my thumbs like, going too hard one weekend. Um, but I didn't know enough about it and going into it, luckily I had some of the best coaches in the business sitting right here. Um, these guys all laughed at me and pulled me aside and, and got, my, got me up to scratch. But that was a, a good challenge for me actually, first season. When you get into full-on zombie mode or rage mode, like, wh where are you going in your head? You don't want to know. <laughs> no, I think about uh, the number of hours that I have ahead of me for the week, and I just pour all of that angst um, and exhaustion in there. No, weirdly, that comes too naturally. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to look too deep into that part of myself. <laughs> she, she is very, very method, and people might not realize this, we do not even have to visual effects her eyes. They actually <laughs> And everybody always says, what are those brains that you're eating? You know, and I say gelatin. But, um, yeah, there's, there's different techniques that help. We, we just have one of the PAs sneak up and whisper in her ear, Rose, we're out of Diet Coke. <laughs> I'm done. Full-blown zombie. <laughs> Rob and Diane, when we, uh, when we last left Liv, she was being rather stingy with her zombiness and denying it uh, from, from her brother. And in general, it seems like everybody hates Liv right now. 
Um, what can you say and tease about the beginning of season two as we find her? Um, well, everyone does hate uh, Liv right now. Uh, like everyone loves Raymond, and everyone hates Liv. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, she, as we start season two, uh, Major is still not quite over the fact that uh, Liv did not let her, uh, let him in on uh, on her zombie secret. Of course, uh, Peyton is still on her walkabout around Europe uh, as we start season two. And for reasons uh, that you all probably have seen, she's a bit on the outs with uh, any surviving family members that she has. I just feel bad for her. I know. Like, I when do. you say it, I'm just like, how are they not understanding? It's, it's going to be a depressing <laughs> art film next year. It's, uh, <laughs> really. Ready for a real tongue shift. <laughs> uh, David, um, where does Blaine go? Where do you go when, uh, when, when Blaine gets full-on zombie mode? Where do I go as an actor? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Go to that. Uh, go to a Rage Against the Machine song, uh, "Killing in the Name of." I don't know. That's where I go. I, I just came up with that just now. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just say the words. You, you played a lot of great bad guys uh, over the years. Where does Blaine kind of rank in your own kind of rogues gallery? What have you enjoyed playing about him the most? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, thank you for saying that. Very sweet. Um, Blaine is, I've said this before, Blaine is as close to me as any of these bad guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know, the way he walks, he's, uh, he's unnecessarily cocky. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I really, it, it's up there, I'll tell you, it's up there, and, and, and he's new yet, and I hope I continue uh, to be allowed to uh, be him. Yeah, don't kill me. Well, your cards are right. <laughs> <laughs> He's been kind of de-zombified last time we saw him. Does that, uh, does that interest you as in, uh, to, to play him now, or does that kind of bum you out a little bit? Yeah. Um, no. I, I think, you know, we're humanizing Blaine, quite literally. Um, and I think, um, as an actor, you, your dream is to diversify your portfolio, if you will. And so, uh, when you can diversify within the same series, let alone, you know, within uh, 14 episodes. Uh, that's kind of a dream. That's a, that's a good dream. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, starting season two and uh, showing you some different hues of Blaine De Beers. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Blaine being mortal. <laughs> What's that? I'm looking forward to you being mortal. <laughs> Robin Diane, can you say anything about Blaine season two? Where can you tease him a little bit? Or is it too much of a secret right now? It's so funny, we do these panels and they, they ask me questions and I'm like, I can't say anything. And they're like, well, Rob told us. And then you told <laughs> it off. Okay. I'm like, oh, okay. So you go. Sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's no surprise. Like, this is not a spoiler. I mean, we say it in the, 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 uh, the season one uh, finale. Uh, Von Duclark, the, the head of uh, Max Rager, says to his right-hand scientist, uh, you go work on Supermax. I'm going to rid Seattle of its zombie problem. So that's going to be a big storyline in season two. Suddenly, uh, the zombies who've been on the offensive uh, in season one are going to be a bit on the defensive. And uh, it will make strange bedfellows out of Blaine and Liv, who uh, have to...
few who are, who are both concerned about the dwindling uh, zombies in Seattle. And also because we just love seeing them in scenes together. Yeah, that <laughs> it was. I mean, we, uh, that was the problem in season one. We loved them playing in scenes together, but uh, they, you know, Lid was in search of Blaine. It was tough to put them in scenes together. <laughs> I definitely have a few more questions for the cast, but I want to hear a lot from you guys. So if I don't know where the microphones are to line up, but I just definitely want to give warning that it's, it's right there. Oh, wow. Major became a, a major part of the zombie mystery, and it changed quite a bit over the course of the season. What did you enjoy most about that transformation? Well, you know, I, I think um, it's it's really where he's going in season two. So I think it's safe to say, and in, in you know, season one, Major, he really uh, it was pretty smooth sailing. <laughs> I mean, not, not much went wrong in Major's life. So I think it's about time that we, you know, we shake things up and we kind of, you know, we test his metal, test his grit, and see what kind of guy he actually, uh, you know, what he's really made of, you know what I mean, when push comes to shove. It, it seemed like every time uh, a major played the hero, he just basically got the crap beat out of him in all sorts of ways. Yeah, yeah, which, which I, I, I kind of identified with greatly, because I sort of feel like I have, I have these, uh, you know, daily uh, dreams of doing heroic acts, but then when reality steps in, I'm like, yeah, 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 that would fail miserably. <laughs> so I, I actually see a great bit of myself, you know, in major, and it's like, A for effort, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> for execution and results. Well, B plus for execution and completely blowing apart the meat cube, though. Was that kind of satisfying? Oh, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> Just kidding, you guys. I kill all the zombies except for one. <laughs> was that gratifying to be able to, you know, basically go ballistic there at the end? Oh my god, yeah, and especially considering the fact that it was virtually, I mean, a, a year ago this week that Rob and I were walking back from this panel and he said, hey, I, I kind of, uh, I've got an idea of what we want to do with Major for a season. And as soon as he, you know, he kind of pitched me this, you know, the, 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 the Travis Bickle arc and sort of losing it. And, having the crap kicked out of him and then getting, you know, some comeuppance, I was sold. So I, I was ready to go, you know, from, from that moment on. Unfortunately, it was about six months of having the absolute crap kicked out of him <laughs> before, but, you know, uh, good things come to those who wait. In this case, good things are, you know, several zombie massacres. <laughs> uh, Malcolm, um, uh, we learned a little bit about um, uh, Clive's backstory this year. We learned that he had that, the, the vice background when undercover. What yeah. more would you love to learn about uh, Clive in the upcoming season? <laughs> well, um, I would love to see who Clive is dating. If there's a love. So would I. Uh, you know, then you're uh, in luck. <laughs> <laughs> um, what that? I said then you're in luck. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. not a spoiler. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and, you know, and, um, you know, just uh, what his life is like, you know, when he's not at the precinct, you know, his home life is like, it's like, uh, you know, music he listens to, what kind of cereal he likes, you know, I think that's great. <laughs> Would you like to see Clyde get more involved in, like, the zombie killing action? Yeah, well, you know, I think, uh, you know, he's equivalent to, like, Lois Lane, not knowing that uh, Clark Kent is Superman, you know, um, so I think, uh, I, I like playing that, I like him not knowing what's, uh, what's going on. Um, so we'll see how long that lasts. 
Raul, um, I'd love to know, when I met you backstage, you talked about walking the floor and seeing some interesting uh, uh, costumes out there, including some Libs and some Robbies. Yeah. That must be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it was, I think, my last year's been so surreal. Um, you know, these guys hired me from London. I wasn't really doing much before. And there's been moments of, of where, like, I've had to check myself, and go, this is crazy. And I think one of the most craziest ones was standing opposite this cosplay rabbi, and, and he looked good. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't mean by dashing, I'm not like complimenting myself. I mean, like, his, his, his look was accurate, and um, yeah, it was. And that look was good. That was one of the most surrealist experiences, yeah. just to, I never thought I'd be a cosplay character. I think we also um, start to get a little bit insecure when we see how good some of the cosplayers out there and realize how replaceable we actually are. <laughs> you know, I keep thinking, like, I start to throw my weight around and ask for this and ask for that, and then I see some of these very convincing lives, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I better watch it. Um, Raul, there was a um, there was a popular fan theory for the first part of the season, at least, that perhaps Ravi had a monstrous side to himself, maybe uh, maybe a zombie, maybe a little werewolf. Did you ever have a theory about? Ever wonder if maybe he, he had something like that a secret? Um, I guess that this the kind of the cynic in me. I mean, he's such a lovely ball of sunshine, and I treat that with the utmost suspicion. Like if anyone's that sweet. Like they've got some stuff, they've got some demons. Um, I don't think he does. <laughs> he, might, he might just be, um, I, you know, I, there was the weird terrier thing for a while. I saw a lot of people, I think it's because I'm nearly there. Like, I'm just, <laughs> all I need is hair here, and I think I've done it. But, um, yeah, I, uh, I did think the weird terrier might happen. Um, yeah, we'll see. Rob and Diane, is there any chance that we might see the show kind of move into other sort of monster genres beyond zombies, or do you want to want to just stick in the, in, in, in the zombie genre? I think that we were planning on sticking to zombies, just because... I mean, I, we both love the comic, and I think that the comic was, was great as the comic. I don't think we could translate it into TV and do it justice. I think we had to, like, put, kind of put the spin on the ball to do it right for television. Chris and Michael are here, by the yeah, way. Yeah, which is so cool. Chris Roberson, Michael Allred, where are you? Hey guys, thank you guys. So they're here somewhere. Oh, incredibly cool and supportive. And if they didn't like the show, I think I would be like in a ball crying somewhere. So <laughs> so happy that they like it. <laughs> Um, Ali, uh, so you're back. I'm back. Yeah. Woo! Woo! You could just be hanging and like never know what happens to her. That would be weird. <laughs> you know? I mean, I had to come back. And this is like a great cast, and I have so much fun on the show, so I mean, how can I not come back? What, what have you enjoyed most about Peyton, and what would you like to learn more about Peyton in season two? I think um, my favorite part about Peyton is that she's super loyal. Um, it's not hard to play really loyal to Rose because we've known each other and we're actually friends in real life, which is really nice. Um, but I, I, I think that there's something really admirable about the fact that she sticks by her friend and she wants the best for her, truly. Um, and even though they have their differences and even though um, Liv has kind of shifted in her style and in her uh, taste in men and, and everything. 
um, she still knows her as the Liv that she has been friends with ever since she was young. Um, I, you know, I, I think I would like to learn more about just Peyton as a person in her personal life outside of, you know, being a roommate of, of, uh, of Liv's and, and kind of seeing where the relationship with, um, with Robbie goes, you know. Pavi or Rob? What was it? Pavi or Pavi? Pavi. We haven't named decided. It's like Pavi or Rayton. Pavi or Rayton. Pavi or Rayton, guys. Which one? Pavi. There you go. Done. It's beneficialized. Are we? It's no Roger. I think Ravioli is. Ravioli. Ravioli is a really good ship name. Ravioli is a good one. We don't have one yet, do we? No, but you have Babahose or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a Twitter conversation about like when is Malcolm gonna realize that we're it was Babaho, but H E A U X and it's genius. I was like, uh, I'm not gonna comment on that conversation. I'm good. Babahose, that's amazing. <laughs> are, are we ever gonna see Robbie and Peyton take that vertigo date to San Francisco? Oh. Whoa. Um, sh I think we should. I think I should go, we should shoot it in San Francisco and <laughs> actual vertigo places. And no, I don't, I don't know. That's up to the boss. I want to wear a suit again. I really like the suit. The suit, we need the suit. The suit, how good was the suit? Cool. <laughs> be so delighted to see you in that suit. Sorry, am I like curving at Comic-Con? It was so just vintage and awesome and delightful. <laughs> I'd love to get to the fan questions if we can if we can do that. Let's uh, let's start. There we are. Sorry you've been waiting back there for a little bit. That's fine. Totally feeling it. Um my name is Mackenzie. Um I'm a huge fan of the show. Um, and my question is for Liv, Ravi, and Blaine. Um, if you could eat anybody's brains and get into their life, fictional or real, who would it be and why? That's a good one to start out. I want to eat Edna's brain from cereal and know oh. the truth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Edna from Cereal? From Cereal. Oh, man, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't listen to Cereal, I'll tell you. I feel criminal. Uh, I'd, eat, I'd eat the brain of Bieber. <laughs> My stock answer is because I'd like to see what that's about, and he'd be dead. <laughs> Songs are toe tapping. <laughs> <laughs> See, mine's, mine's going to be boring. So I'm going to be uh, studious and say I would eat Daniel Day Lewis's brain because Ooh. I really want to know what his method is. There's so much conjecture about you ran into a forest for six days just for most of it. So, like, and I want to be better at my job, so I'm going to murder Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mackenzie. Keep the list. Mm -hmm. 
Or the real Slim Shady. Producer Danielle Stockdyke, who's here, would be very excited about the last live wearing burgundy because there was a lot of discussion about the hoodie colors. So, having the different reds, you guys nailed it very yeah. well. Very good. Thank you. Um, hi, my name is Caitlin, not Liv, sorry. Um, um, I'm directing my question to David, Malcolm, and Robert Buckley. Uh, in the show, Rose has to do an American accent, so I want to hear you guys do your best New Zealand accent. <laughs> 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 I'm ready to be offended. <laughs> They're all going to come out sounding like part of the Concords. Oh, I, I do. I, I do Rose back to Rose all the time, and she says I'm rubbish. So, I, 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 you know, most of my career I've played English people, so I'm so rooted in the English speak. I can't wrap my mind or wrap my, my, my mouth around the diphthongs of the Kiwi, Kiwi world. Uh, theory rock and roll. <laughs> oh, well, I'm just like the concord. It's all I got. I'm about the butcher in action, right? Uh, Rose calls me Mackie G, and that's her nickname for me. So I thought your mom called you that. No, 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 no. The only person. The only person who played a bully, Mackie G, and I love it. So this is Rose. Uh, we drink a lot of coffee, and this is her inviting me to have a cup of coffee. Hey, Mackie G, let's have some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Home. 
And one day we have this fantastic consultant who comes and works with us. She's a medical examiner. And, oh, um, I just realised what story you're telling. <laughs> <laughs> and he was doing this big spiel and he was keeping it interesting and being incredibly professional and wonderful. And we started rolling. He kind of mapped out a few ideas and they start rolling. And he does this whole amazing monologue. And he gets a ruler that he's been walking around with. He puts it in his mouth and he does like a second book with this ruler hanging out of his mouth. This whole thing finishes. It's great. Poor cut. And the morgue consultant comes running over and she's like, just so you know, uh, that's not a prop that was purchased. That was brought from my morgue to the store. And we were first all like horrified and then just absolutely lost it with laughter and called him death breath for the rest of the time. So I hope that will tantalise your imagination. I'll be doing a kissing booth after. <laughs> Coalition is reconsidering right now. Coalition. <laughs> 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 yeah. Coalition. Yeah. 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 How do you? What's the other one? The chakra. The chakra bitches. Which, oh, <laughs> right. sorry, guys. It's on Twitter. I didn't say. Come on. Chakra bodies. Yeah. <laughs> chakra body, right? <laughs> signifies a really significant part of my life, and I was wondering, Rob, if you or if you knew who kind of decided to have him and that song in the in intro. Uh, yeah, a buddy of mine from uh, New Orleans sent me that Dead Boy and the Elephant Men uh, record. I, I think when it came out, uh, around 2007, 2008, and I fell in love with that song long before we were doing the, the show, but it was actually during uh, the pilot, I already had that in mind for a, a main title sequence. And, you know, the trend has been away from main titles. Now more shows are just doing like a five-second title card. Um, but I wanted a main title sequence. You know, we have such a complicated concept for our show that I wanted one of uh, uh, main titles would sort of hit all the main points very quickly and efficiently. I love that song so much that um, I, I had our music editor, and I, I said I wanted to come in around somewhere between 20 and 30 seconds, and they cut several versions of, of it uh, into that time. But I was playing it uh, around the we were cast. Pilot. You yeah, were way way back. So it was an idea long before we ever got a show order. But it was great when I when I played it for the cast. Everyone was very psyched. People went around humming it for. Well, during the filming of the pilot, when when Ravi performed surgery on on Liv, and then he plays music, you you played live. That oh, we right. were just the yeah. list of yeah. That's the first time we heard it. Yeah. Our main titles make me so happy. Yeah. They're awesome. Next question. I get the love alone, Robbie. No, no, you, you. Or Liv, Liv, sorry. Don't worry about it. Um, 
Ooh, so, my name is Casey. Um, I often try to order coffee at Starbucks as Liz, but I'm afraid they're going to mess up it, so I just go as Liz. <laughs> Anyways, um, I, I'm Chinese, so I have actually had not human brain, but cow brain, and I know that texture is actually closer to tofu. Um, I know that there's a lot of genius about, like, ew, brain. Um, but <laughs> besides, as a zombie, besides the trouble of getting the food source, um, eating brains really isn't all that bad. So my question for Rose, Robert, Rahul, and Malcolm is, well, seeing after what happened with Major, um, would you rather die a human or live as a zombie? That, that was a long way around to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you called her out for complaining about brainy data. <laughs> She's like, suck up, you don't right, but, I, but I think, I, I, I'm curious about that too. I'm interested I in you coming and doing all of the brainy sequences for me, <laughs> so that I don't have to. That would be, that could work. Yeah. Did you get any cow visions? Did that happen at all? <laughs> <Cow>. <laughs> Okay, who's going to start with this question? So, uh, let's hear it. Oh, would I rather live as a zombie? Oh, be dead or live as a zombie? I'll live as a zombie. Maybe that goes off, I'll live as a zombie. I mean, Especially if I can eat brains and, and Harry traits like Liv does. Why not? Yeah. I also think more and more, you know, I felt so sorry for her, and it is something I don't wish upon anybody, granted, but when I look back at the flashbacks, I think she was... She was too chill, like she had it too easy, and stuff was a little too smooth. I think she was probably really boring. And now she's got like a lot more tenacity and courage, and she's overcome a lot. She's edgier. So I think, you know, I'm fine being zombie now. No one asked me, but I'm gonna pick zombie as well. <laughs> uh, I think the visions is the most attractive thing about being a zombie. Uh, like the whole astronaut idea that was brought in, the guy wanting astronaut brains was a great idea to experience things you never did while you were alive. So, uh, so, you, so you think that you're one of those upscale zombies who, <laughs> who gets the, uh, the astronaut rock star brains, not the murdered homeless teenager brains. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, you're a TV, oh yeah, yeah, then you, no, you, can, you, you can afford the good stuff then. <laughs> I think I think I would go zombie just because you know, you know every night when my mom tucks me in, she whispers in my ear, "You're my favorite," and I just want to know if that baloney is the truth. <laughs> Allie, me? Yeah, yeah. I mean zombie. <laughs> then you can live forever. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty no-brainer answer. <laughs> Not intended. Okay, come on, right? What about you? I, I choose death. I'm just so tired. <laughs> I choose death because I don't want to live in a world without David Anders. <laughs> everyone up here, you, you do remember that, uh, that once you are a zombie, you transmit that sexually, so you got some dire... Uh, Thanks for the piece. You guys all have to sleep together. I think that's what it comes down.
<laughs> oh, if that's the case, then we are all full-blown zombies. <laughs> we at least speak for this bunch. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> all right, how about the next question? Um, uh, my name's Sophia, and um, now that Major and Peyton know that Liv's a zombie, um, when they figure out uh, that Ravi has also known the whole time, basically, that Liv's a zombie, how will they feel? Because they've also, like, have, like, relationships, they've made relationships with Ravi, and how they feel knowing that he's been lying to him the whole time. Well, I think there's sort of a stipulation in there, which is that we're assuming that we're going to find out that Ravi uh, was in the middle of that, uh, that, that awkward sandwich. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case. I'd probably be better suited to answer that. Well, you know, when we talked about it in the writer's room, we felt like it's like the equivalent secret, like Robbie's the doctor who knows that Liv has HIV, and would, would it be appropriate for Robbie to tell other people about this condition? So... I think that the others, when they understand that, might be able to come to grips that it wasn't Robbie's secret to tell, that, that he should be bound as her zombie doctor of sorts. Uh, I, I think if anything, it, we would be more upset with Liv not telling us, trusting us that we would be safe with that information. Not necessarily, don't you kind of think? But then also understanding why she didn't want to tell us for our own safety and to not involve us in, in that whole mess. And then we do Between those three characters, with, with Peyton, Ravi, and Major, all their loyalties are the strongest with Liv. Yeah. They all share that in common. Like, Liv is their strongest link. Yeah. It's not Ravi and Major, it's not Peyton and Major. Like, I think. There's no issue between those, that kind of dynamic. It's all to do with, with her and protecting her. Drop the ball. I get it. <laughs> it's not your fault. Then again, after, after the fight in the kitchen that Peyton witnesses, I don't think... I mean, the cat's pretty far out of the bag by that point. Am I... Am I no, even further out of the bag when Liv says it expressly. No. <laughs> <laughs> Buckley actually does fast forwards to his seats when he watches the shots. Yeah. By the way, in fast forward, your guys' work looks wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. Hi. Um, I wanted to ask Rob, um, who's, who would you say is the biggest prankster on the set? Uh, you're asking me? Uh, oh. Anybody really? Oh, um, anyone. Hot Rob or regular Rob? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, yes. No, boo. Yes, boo. You're correct in booing. That is this is Hot Rob. This is Rob Thomas is Hot Rob. Regular Rob is Buckley. Oh, I'm sure they would have known that. I just, there are some vision issues in the audience. Every day, you guys. Those names were given out by Rob Thomas, so you know. <laughs> 
yeah, and for what it's worth, uh, Diane and I are most of the time in uh, Los Angeles with the writing staff. They are all up in Vancouver shooting the show. This is only our second time to actually meet each other. <laughs> That's not I still keep calling him Ross. <laughs> Franks. Franks. You know, Bucks, you got me a couple of times. Uh, we would, we had this walk and talk one day, walking to the precinct, <laughs> and, and you know, we, it's a, it's a steady cam shot, and so we have to rattle off this, this dialogue pretty fast. And Rob kept holding on my hand for dear life, you know, right before we have to walk in, and, and have to, have to physically snatch it away, you know, in order to start the scene. And I mean, it took everything for us not to crack up during that scene and make it through, you know, and obviously not ruin the shot. In a lot of ways, it, just to be all, you know, in all fairness, uh, you know, Malcolm is like my Chad Lowe. He's my rock. And I found that before that scene to get really centered and feel good, I wanted to hold his hand. <laughs> you know, typical selfish actor, he did not want me to hold his hand. <laughs> process. So yeah, he had to fight to get it back. But you know, I think the work turned out alright. It worked out, it worked out. Thanks for the movie. When we're filming, I, I have a, I'm a, I've got a nasty illness. I... I draw naughty pictures all the time. Like, if you give me a pen and paper, I'm going to draw something immature on it. And so you'll see Rose, and she'll have to, like, dip, like, have to play two characters. I'm a cheerleader, and I'm a stoner, and she's focused, and she's doing that, and I'll sit there with a clipboard and be like, Rose. 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 And it's, it's just a mad thing. <laughs> yeah, we've been doing that, that's 13 episodes. It's still going strong. <laughs> So look out, Downtown Abbey. We're coming for you. <laughs> on, uh, on April Fool's Day, I... Uh, uh, it was the day after we aired, and I emailed the other executive producers of the show and told them that I had gotten a call from the network and they were horribly disappointed in our numbers. <laughs> and, uh, that we should be expecting calls later in the day from them. And, and to be fair, um, uh, 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 Danielle Stockdike and Dan Etheridge fell for it completely. They called me in a panic and a tizzy, fretting about it. Uh, and I let them stew in that for a while. Uh, but Diane Ruggiero was the, was the keen one of them and uh, said, that's that's got to be an April Fool's joke, right? <laughs> As it was. Is, is that an expletive April Fool's joke, Rob? <laughs> expletive? Yes, I'm kidding. That Are you expletiving? Kidding me? <laughs> but it worked. It, it, it played. With yeah, that's pretty good. He'll still recover. <laughs> Last but not least, uh, for the, in the finale episode, when Major finally um, you know breaks free of uh, you know captivity and he's able to sort of do his thing. Uh, they had originally drafted that that was all going to be done entirely shirtless. <laughs> so, um, and, that, and that lasted for about five days, so as you can imagine, I was eating like half an almond a day. <laughs> and for my cardio, I was just crying profusely. <laughs> uh, until we got to the TCAs, and they were like, oh, oh, we were just messing with you. And I was like, yeah, we were just messing, fainting earlier, because I hadn't eaten. 
so we keep the light on set. We keep the light. <laughs> I was remembering your argument about why it didn't make sense that you would have your shirt off, and I'm like, it makes sense because that's what you have to do, Buckley. It's in the set. <laughs> it makes sense because that's why we pay you. Take off your damn shirt. <laughs> Anyway, what 
mainly directed at uh, Bob and, and Rose, but what do you want to see? Uh, what abilities do you want to see Liv have? Like that maybe was possibly rejected or we just haven't brought up yet? Um, well, I because I, get, I can make this decision right now, I'm going to tell you our first few brains out of the... <laughs> Episode one, grumpy old man brain. <laughs> Get off my lawn brain. The part I was born to play. Yes. Uh, episode two, uh, frat boy brain. <laughs> Brolicious brain. And uh, boobs. Episode three, real housewife of Seattle brain. <laughs> got some good ones right out of the gate. <laughs> Alright, next question. I, um, my question is for Malcolm. Um, Mom, I, you swore you were going to ask me a question. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I got but... Because his um, his uh, his uh, great aunt Debbie was a psychic, and maybe that'll be one of the deleted scenes um, on the DVD that comes out in September. Yeah, yeah, that might be on the might be up yeah. there. So um, that's why so that's why he believes in it because you know he has a family member who believes in it, uh, who's a psychic, and I think that if he ever find out that Liv is a zombie, you know, I always see Clive. You know, he watches Night of the Living Dead. He probably watches Walking Dead, and he'll go, "What? A zombie who can talk and think and." What? You know, I, I think he'll trip. I think he will bug out. I also <laughs> this whole episode, you just say, what? Yeah. I, I, I think he will just, he will, he will give her the Clyde face for like a good two minutes. I do have to just like, add <laughs> that uh, last, last Comic-Con, um, we talked about the fact that his right aunt was a psychic in the show and had predicted things. And somehow, when an article was released, it went out saying that Malcolm's personal <laughs> was a psychic who had predicted this. Yes, yeah. family member was calling me saying, "Why are you up there lying?" Saying, "And it's like, no." I said, "Clive, great." They took it as, I, like I said, my I got a great aunt Debbie. People like hit me on Facebook like, "Yo, you don't have no great aunt Debbie." <laughs> like, I don't know. It's Clive. He's a misprint. And here, just this is a, to tell you a little bit about the evolution of a pilot script, like when. Diane and I wrote this in the original, like, 
80-page draft of a script. Clive didn't like didn't believe in psychics, and we had to spend all these pages and scenes making him believe that she could possibly be psychic. And then we had to shrink the script to. And and then at that point, there was the scene in which he says, "Oh well, my my great aunt is a psychic, and so I kind of get it." And then of course, by the time we get it down to 41 minutes, there's no reference. No, uh, it's like, I'm a psychic. Cool. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, so that scene, the, the scene about his great aunt, uh, we did shoot for the pilot, and it just, it did not fit into the show. Maybe you will see it on the DVD. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is going to be our last question. All right. Oh. Uh, maybe we should have a shirt off. <laughs> Forfeit Superman wins. <laughs> Season two. Uh, my question is for the cast. If you could shoot anywhere else other than the base of Seattle, where would it be and why? Uh, well, we shoot in Canada, Seattle. <laughs> we shoot Vancouver for Seattle. And I, I, where would you go? I want to shoot. You guys should say San Diego. I would want to shoot in London. I, I, I get homesick. I'm, I, if we could move the whole production and everyone's families so that I could be near my mum and dad, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Gosh, um, I mean, Vancouver is a pretty amazing city. <laughs> yeah, you guys repping Vancouver out here? Woo! <laughs> um, so I don't know. What else would be a good? Double as Seattle. Portland! Portland, Oregon! Stephen oh, Andrews from there! New Jersey! New Jersey! You spread Oregon. San Francisco's a pretty dope city. I, I, would, I would be into San Francisco. Be awesome. yeah. We almost wrote the pilot. We almost set it in Austin. Oh, yeah. yeah. We could just never do location stuff and just shoot in Hawaii. In a studio in Hawaii. Yeah, I was on vacation in Hawaii and I thought, why the heck didn't we do that? Why didn't we get I Hawaii? Like, it's so easy. Yeah. Hawaii Five O. Oh, but there's no zombies. That's the crosswalk are waiting to head. Oh. Thank you for listening to the season one episode of the Eye Zombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. We posted that link, as well as others, on our home on the web, iZombiePodcast.com. There you'll find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages. Join our Facebook group at Facebook.com slash groups slash iZombiePodcast. Finally, send your feedback in to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. The iZombiePodcast with Robin and Steph is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it all you like as long as you link back to us. But please, do not change it or sell it or trade it for brains unless you're going to give us some. And remember, a mind is a terrible thing to taste.